Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one, we spent it almost exclusively on the topic of the events um, unfolding still in Uvalde, Texas, um, the massacre of innocents at Robb Elementary School. This may encourage you if you um, didn't have an opportunity to join us live, um, please grab the podcast and listen to our conversation um, because I think that it helps it helps us to frame the reality of what's happening in America um, and in the world in spiritual terms. And so that's what we sought to do together and encourage you to, to check that out. Also, great conversation with Jim Dennison from the Dennison Forum. Today's the second anniversary of um, the death of George Floyd. And so if you're in the Twin Cities, you're going to want to know that um, there are rallies and events planned and a vigil as well, a candlelight vigil this evening um, at the intersection of 38th and Chicago Streets, uh, George Floyd Square, um, right there outside of Cup Foods. Um, also rallies uh, planned today at the governor's residence in St. Paul. And my guess is in other places across the country and even around the world as well. Um, and so mindful that today is also the day that the president is going to sign some related uh, police reform legislation. So let's just be aware of all of that and prayerful. Let's be uh, encouraging our peace officers um, and let's be encouraging the communities in which we live as well. Um, what's on your summer reading list? It's, it's about that time. If you don't have one yet, uh, it's probably time to get your summer reading list put together. If you haven't done so already, um, please go to MyFaithRadio.com and uh, and sign up for our devotional bundle giveaway of Susie Larson's incredible devotional book, May His Face Shine Upon You. Um, for, for folks, uh, we're giving away copies every single day, uh, and, and, and we're giving away a bundle. So if you enter the drawing and you're the person who, who gets today's bundle, let's say, then you're going to get two copies— one for you and one for someone else. And these are 90 biblical blessings for mother and child. May his face shine upon you. It's just a wonderful, wonderful devotional by Susie uh, Larson. And uh, and we're doing this every day in the month of May, but the months of May are quickly waning. So go ahead and sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com for our May His Face Shine Upon You devotional bundle giveaway. It's also a, um, I'm going to do, uh, starting next Wednesday, um, June the 1st at 6.30 p.m. on my uh, on my Facebook page, which is at Reconnect with Carmen. So if you go to Facebook and you just go to at Reconnect with Carmen, you can um, get notified when I start my summer book discussion of Speak the Truth. So lots of you have copies of Speak, Speak the Truth. 
Some of you signed up for copies of the book and they're going in the mail today. Um, So you'll have them in time for the summer book discussion or summer book group that starts next Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. on my Facebook page, which is at Reconnect with Carmen. So that'll be something we could do together this summer, which will be fun. I'm also signed up for Hillsdale College's free course on C.S. Lewis. It's totally free. Um, it examines everything from from C.S. Lewis. It's an introduction to his writings, um, his fiction, his apologetics, his nonfiction. I mean, on and on and on. And so it's a free course. might be a good way to um, get a summer reading list together pretty quickly because, you know, obviously they supply one in the syllabus. So what's on your summer reading list? Where in the word are you going to be and what else are you going to be reading? Um, let's continue to grow in our discipleship and in our um, in our knowledge and in our wisdom, um, you know, by continuing to be people who learn. Let's be lifelong learners. All right. Uh, Heather Zeiger is up next. She is a science writer. And I, you know, I just keep my list of all things science um, for my conversations with Heather. So there's a black hole in the middle of the Milky Way and there's music coming out of the black hole. And maybe there are UFOs. Yeah, I'm going to ask about all of that. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Heather Zeiger is back. She's a science writer. You can find her at heatherzeiger.com or on Twitter at hzeiger. All right, um, Smarty Pants, a science girl, welcome back. Hi, Carmen. Okay, so thank you so much. I just keep my list of science-related headlines for you. So there's a black hole in the middle of the Milky Way. Could you please explain? Sure. So back in the 1970s, they kind of found some radio-like sources it was dimmer than a star, more massive than, you know, the sun. It was super dense. And they're like, hey, you know, Einstein proposed that there was a black hole in the middle of the Milky Way. And this seems to indicate there might be one. So flash forward to uh, more recently, and this group using the Event Horizon Telescope has been able to image, and when I say image, we're using radio waves here, not visual light. They've been able to image what appears to be the black hole in the center of the galaxy. Okay. So now what does that mean? Because how can you image a radio wave? Right. So what they're doing is they're taking um, sources from uh, image, uh, I'm sorry, data from eight different places around the world. So imagine that you have like a satellite the size of, oh, I don't know, the globe, and they're putting together all of that data and they're using the radio waves, they're canceling and uh, putting it through an algorithm and then putting all that data together to create an image. And basically this image, you can see the bright ring that is around a supermassive, super dense center. So super massive, super dense center does not sound like mm-hmm. a hole to me. Do you see what I'm right. saying? But 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 it is a hole in that it sucks things into itself. Is that, I mean, right. you know, I know this is very, I am not very sciencey. So 
thank you for answering my very pedestrian questions. Yeah. If you want to think of a black hole, one way that I like to think of it is to take a blanket, a really big blanket, have four people hold each corner of the blanket. So you're pulling it tight. And then you take a bowling ball and you put that bowling ball, we'll call it the bowling ball of gravity, in the center of the blanket. Well, what's going to happen to that blanket is it's going to warp into, it's going to look like a funnel. So if that blanket is the fabric of space, that bowling ball is kind of like a black hole. And what it does is it kind of bends the fabric of space into this funnel type shape. How does that, how does that make things get sucked into a black hole as we like to think of it? Well, think of a marble on that blanket. As that marble rolls, there comes a point where it gets close enough to that funnel that it'll actually roll into that funnel where that, where that bowling ball is. And that point right when that marble is going to roll into that funnel is called the event horizon. And so that's, that's kind of the idea of a black hole in space. Okay, wait a second. What's the event horizon? That's that one, that's that place right when matter or light or energy gets captured into the gravity well of that black hole. Okay, that's really cool. And thus the telescope's name. Yes. Yes. Dun dun dun. See, I like it when somebody puts the pieces together for us in a way that we can understand instead of assuming that we knew what the Event Horizon Telescope was named after. It's this place or this moment when I, that's so cool. I I've I've already learned something that I feel like is very important. Okay. How about the music of the black hole? Paul has some music coming out of the black hole for us to listen to. Paul, roll the tape. All right, Heather, you're a scientist. What did you hear? Right. So remember, the data that they're collecting from the black hole is radio waves. So you have the entire electromagnetic spectrum. You have various waves. We have ultraviolet. We have visible. You have radio waves. So radio waves are signals. And so what you're hearing is the radio waves. Hmm. It's not that the black hole is actually producing a radio program like you are, Carmen, but it is the um, frequency signature of the um, phenomenon of the black hole. All right. Whatever frequency you're listening to us over right now, um, we hope that we are easier to understand and you need less of an interpretive key than the sighs and groans too deep for words emanating from the black hole at the center of the Milky Way. We're going to continue our conversation with Heather Zeiger next. She is a research analyst with the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, and I ask her science questions that are way below her pay grade. But we're going to continue our conversation next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, that's from the X-Files. Do you find it chilling? We're talking with Heather Zeiger. She's a science writer. Heather, apparently there is music. There are songs that literally give us the chills. Yes, so there's this article about something called frission, and it's this idea of an aesthetic chill, an actual physiological response to um, certain types of music. So I'm not, I'm not really a music person. All, all my creative abilities are, are in writing and visual arts. But I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a professor at Dallas Baptist University. She's also a 
very good musician and songwriter. And I asked her about this. And she said that her instinct is this, basically this frisson comes from this increased tension that's created by these unmet expectations and then is finally satisfied. And so I I didn't quite understand what she was talking about until uh, she explained, for those of you that are in music types, all of Western harmonic structure, pretty much we all want the five and one chords to resolve. So the longer a song kind of holds out that five chord until it finally resolves into that one chord, then you are truly satisfied. So in my head as a writer, I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of like a narrative story where you have your beginning, your rising action, your climactic action, and then your denouement. And so it's the satisfaction of almost a good story. I love that. And I love that um, our body is designed in such a way that we have this resonance when a story reaches its like climax, like that you're feeling it. I, I just think that's such a such a godly thing to do, right? That there would be this resonance um, toward narrative. Yeah, some of my artist friends, they talk about the good, the true, and the beautiful. And I think this is a great example of how we instinctively understand the beautiful, something mm. aesthetic. Oh, that is so good. I, I feel like I feel like volumes of books yeah. are yet to be written on this topic. Okay, on yeah. um um on other things that are mysterious and yet happening and that we're still trying to find explanations for, um, what do you think about the conversations that some would call related to UFOs, but that the government would call UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon or unidentified flying objects? The word they have in common, unidentified. Yeah, so this is this is really interesting. And those of us that love reading sci-fi, we're you know we're thinking, oh, is this like aliens? Is these you are these UFOs in the science fiction sense? I think the House subcommittee is most concerned about these aerial objects that military pilots are seeing that they aren't sure what they are. And I think they're most concerned about national security issues and keeping our airspace safe. Um, so I was, I was taking a look at some of the task force, what they're looking at. And so it makes sense in a time when we have drone technology and, you know, uh, Joe Schmo can buy a drone, right? That, you know, we want to understand what are some of these phenomena in space? So they, they had five different things these could potentially be. The first one was airborne clutter. And that totally makes sense. We know that um, orbiting our planet, there's a lot of clutter, right? Some um, satellite clutter, things like that. So these objects that these pilots see that they're not sure what their sensors are picking up could very well be airborne clutter. They also could be natural atmospheric phenomenon. And I think this is, a, this is one that is very possible. We know that our atmosphere can sometimes create tricks of the eye. A while back, there was that cool picture off of the coast of England of the ship that looked like it was hovering over, uh, over the ocean. But it turns out that's a, that's a weather phenomenon where the warm weather is, um, I think, higher up than the cold weather towards the sea. So you think you see 
uh, a ship that's hovering. Well, it's similarly, there are other types of atmospheric phenomena where it's either a trick of the eye or it's something we don't understand. Another one that they consider is maybe it's a U.S. government experiment. So this is where... <laughs> This is where it can get a little creepy, but sometimes it could be a U.S. government experiment or it could be um, some other group that is trying to develop new technologies. Certainly, we want new technologies. Um, one op-ed piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, was talking about how you know, the U.S. government has actually patented this kind of laser that can produce phantom images. And the idea is that if there's a homing signal, that that phantom image will capture the homing signal or it will capture say an enemy's uh sensors and the actual pilot can fly away so there's also technology like that and then of course there the uh, the national security concern is it could be a foreign adversary who is developing technology that we're not aware of and they're testing it in our air airspace and then finally of course there's the other category and that's that's the interesting one it's the one where we're not sure what what we're seeing and so they just put it as other yeah and and nobody mentions or almost nobody mentions celestial beings but maybe having dug up the prehistoric dragon of death in argentina someone will suggest it could be a dragon i'm just saying there's all kinds of possibilities now I'm just, you know, I'm just I, I'm just uh, throwing out some fodder for conversation for listeners today. All the things it might be. OK, now, in the last minute that we have together, talk with us about the latest and greatest invention ever, burrito tape. Right. So um, this is great. I'm I'm from Texas and burritos are an important part of your diet. And so this all-women group of chemical and biomolecular engineers at Johns Hopkins University came up with this edible tape to hold your burrito together. So, um, and they, and so seeking to patent it, uh, they developed a fibrous scaffold and then put on the scaffold an organic adhesive. So they made sure everything was food grade. They did a bunch of prototypes. They tested it out. Everything is already used as additives in food. And so this is a, a, I think, a really cool invention. So your burrito, when you get your big old burrito, it doesn't fall apart while you're eating it. So this is kind of a fun, a fun experiment or a fun invention. I love, I love seeing that kind of creativity in students. And it's kind of silly, you know, it's burritos and that's the, you know, with the big problems of the world, we're trying to hold our burrito together. But I will say these types of inventions actually can lead to very helpful things. I'm just thinking about like now we have sutures and stitches that our bodies can absorb or, you know, wound care and wound closures are actually a very important part of medicine. So I'm, I'm wondering what some good implications would be for this experiment. Yeah, I feel like there are endless, um, endless ways that burrito tape could or edible tape um, can eventually be used. I just it's, I, you know, good job for the smarty pants girls, because I think this is a wonderful, a wonderful thing and um, a good topic for Taste and See Tuesday, which, you know, we like to cover something food related on Tuesdays. And that is my food related headline of the day. Um, Heather, as always, thank you so much. Thank you for your willingness to um, to come and talk about science headlines with us here on Mornings with Carmen. We really appreciate it. Great. Glad to be here.
You can find Heather at heatherzeiger.com. She's also on Twitter, H-Zeiger, Z-E-I-G-E-R. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. So when you think about the Great Commission... Um, are you among the half of churchgoers who don't feel like they know what it is or can articulate it? I hope not. I hope that you are among the half um, of of Christians who can at least describe the Great Commission, if not uh, quote it directly from Matthew 28 or um, or maybe that you want to quote it from the first chapter of Acts. I think the the easiest place to know it from is is Matthew 28, where Jesus is saying to his followers, I have given, uh, having been given all authority in heaven and on earth, um, and then he turns to them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the Great Commission summed up in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Um, in recent years, Barna Research has learned that people who go to church, like, so we're not even talking about the, the, the average American. We're talking about the average churchgoer. Um, they don't have an awareness of this passage of Scripture, and so Barna circled back around to do a little more research on that and has produced something, a report called The Great Disconnect, in which, um, you know, we learned that not only do Christians not understand the Great Commission, they certainly don't see themselves as mandated to reach other people for Jesus. So that's a problem. That's a problem. We see lots of uh, community needs, apparently. We see lots of needs that people have, but we don't see their primary spiritual need for forgiveness of sin and salvation in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. So this great uh, disconnect exists, but also a great opportunity. So we're going to talk next with Aaron Pierce from the Go Movement, um, and we're going to talk about Lighten a fire in Christians around the world to share the good news of the gospel with their friends, their neighbors, and their coworkers. Let's see if we can reconnect the great disconnect here on Mornings with Carmen. Pierce is joining us. We're going to talk about the Go movement, but first we're going to talk about the about Steiger International. Aaron, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Great to be here. Am I pronouncing Steiger correctly? And you, um, oh, go ahead. Well, yes, you are. Okay. What 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 is it, or who is it, and what are you doing? Yeah, good question. So uh, Steiger is actually a Dutch word. Uh, and it refers to the location in Amsterdam where my parents founded an organization to reach young people that would not walk into a church. Uh, and it started in Amsterdam, grew all over Europe, and has now become a global mission organization with uh, things happening all over the world, including here in the U.S. So that's that's where the, that weird name comes from. 
Okay, so um, you're a very young guy, first of all, which I'm celebrating, and you are um, you are the son of missionaries uh, who planted yep. a ministry. And so, can we talk about that? Because something happened yeah. in your family where yep. the faith was transmitted one generation to another, and that's increasingly unusual. So, can you just talk yep. about that for a moment? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um, so. There's, oh man, there's so many reasons. I think the ultimate reason for me is that um, through through the work of my parents' ministry that my parents very much engaged and involved us in, um, I got to experience the the reality and the power of God at work outside the church. Um, it was pretty unusual. Let me tell you a little story. So my my the story of our of our organization is pretty unique because my parents were in Amsterdam and they had a heart to reach these young people who had such a negative view of God and were very unlikely to walk into a church. And so my dad, who would go into the bars and the nightclubs late at night with a small group of people and connect with people and share the gospel and pray over all these people, was just saying, Lord, we need uh, we need a, a way to communicate your love and your truth in an effective way to this culture. And so he felt led by the Lord to start a band, a musical band, as a tool to be in their environment and use the stage to communicate the message of the cross in a relevant way outside the church. And they saw many, many people come to Jesus um, in that environment. And, and so I got introduced and involved in that. In fact, I remember my dad took me and my brother multiple times on tour with him with his band. And we would be in some secular nightclub with people who, again, would just not walk into a church. And at some point he would bring me and my brother on stage and he would say, these are my sons. I love them. There's nothing I wouldn't do for them. Everything I have is theirs. And if someone tried to hurt them, I would protect them with my life. And then he would say, and that is how God feels about you. And he would equate a father's love for his children with God's love for them. And in these tough cynical, secular environments, I saw people with tears in their eyes praying to receive Jesus just transformed. And when you experience that, when you experience the power of God like that as a kid, it, it ruins you in the best possible way because it's not just a nice Sunday tradition. It's real. And and I saw that power at work. And I, I think that that's a pretty big thing. I think like following Jesus is not just a concept or a philosophy or a behavioral like moral code. It's he's real and he has the power to transform lives and people need to see that. So that was that's a pretty big part of why I wanted to follow Jesus myself. I love you already. Like you um, make me so happy um, that that I have a brother in Christ who knows Jesus personally and is passionate about other people who are uh, who are outside of the redemptive joy of the gospel um knowing what you know be, you know knowing the one that you know so let's talk about introducing people who don't know Jesus introducing them to Jesus that is really yeah. at the heart of the go movement so yep. for folks who um may not know what is the go movement um because uh Steiger International is a part of uh, a partner with Go Movement, yep. but help us understand what this larger movement is. Yeah, so Go Movement is just this beautiful collaboration of people from all over the world, including here in the U.S., that just want to see this culture, this generation reached. And the idea that um, if we work together, if we spur one another on, if we support each other, everyone can reach someone 
and together we can reach the world. So it's just a focused initiative of collaboration of different ministries from around the world to go after people that 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 are far from God, that that do not know him today. And and all of us playing a role in that. That's the beauty of what it is. Yeah, everybody. This is an all hands on deck effort um, in the Go movement. Um, so, yeah. uh, Aaron, you will appreciate this. Katie, um, I think Katie lives in North Dakota. She says, as a farm girl, I thought that you were going to talk about this. And she sent me on our text line a picture <laughs> of a 1974 a Steiger Bearcat 2. Man, that is a tractor with some big wheels. Yeah. 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 Those are some serious tires. (laughs) Well, now, and then we also have a note here from um, Becky. Um, Becky says, in all caps, Steiger came to our church, Hometown Church in Bloomington. What a wonderful ministry. So that's super fun. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So talk about that. Talk about how this this works and how this happens. Like how, functionally, how are you equipping uh, people to reach their neighbors for Jesus. Yeah. So again, the beauty of it is we can do it in many different ways, right? And there are different, there, there's not like a, a one size fits all or a formula. So the beauty is you can bring in different people. So with us, the heart is like, how do you reach particularly younger generation, millennial, Gen Z, that um, won't walk into a church? Because what we're dealing with today in the U.S. is a profound cultural shift we, we've gone from this nominal Christian nation in which most identify as a Christian and have a positive view of the church to a post-Christian culture where people's attitudes is, at, especially amongst younger ones, are apathetic at best, hostile at worst, and the kind of the rise of the religious, the unaffiliated. This is all kind of the cultural context that we find ourselves in. So the challenge is, how do we reach people that, that are in this context? Because it's not the same as previous generations because they don't have the same assumptions. They don't have the same worldview, the same lifestyle. So in our case, we're providing resources, training, uh, opportunities for outreach for people that are, how do I reach a younger millennial and Gen Z generation that have bought into secular ideology and won't walk into a church? And that's that's really the, way, the, the path that we provide as part of this larger global collaboration. I love it. We're going to continue our conversation with Aaron Pierce in just a moment. You can find him at Steiger International. Um, we're talking about their partnership with the Go Movement, which, you know, is does, it has this desire and is activating Christians around the world to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with our friends, our neighbors, and our coworkers. So something we all need to be activated in the Great Commission. More with Aaron next here on Mornings with Carmen. Will we abandon it all for the sake of the call? Jesus turns to us as his disciples in this generation and says, go, make disciples of everybody else. Uh, As you go, declare the gospel, like, right? Share the good news of who Jesus is with every person. Um, Making disciples is, uh, is not as complicated, maybe, as we have tried to make it. We're talking with Aaron Pierce from Steiger International, we're talking about their partnership with the Go Movement. Aaron, um, some 17,000 young believers made commitments in 2021 um, to share the gospel with their friends and family. 
Um, that's pretty extraordinary. What are some of the ways in which they are doing that? Yeah, again, there's there's multiple ways, but the basic idea we follow the the Go movement. Just the simple uh, methodology is is pray, care, share, and just the idea that first and foremost, anything we do always starts with with prayer because what we're not what we're dealing with is far more than a logic or persuasive argument issue we're dealing with a spiritual blindness second corinthians 4 4 says the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers and so it, it doesn't matter how persuasive we are if, if people's eyes are not open to the reality of god's love and truth our words are gonna they're not gonna penetrate so recognizing that first and foremost we're in a spiritual battle not against people but against you know the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms and so prayer is our first response um and 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 that prayer is both in terms of what god will do to open people's eyes but also to soften our hearts because to the extent to which our hearts are broken is the extent, extent that we're going to do something about it right uh and then then it's about how can we show and demonstrate god's love in a tangible way to people um to to so that they can ex experience that but also open their hearts and and build the trust in order to communicate the gospel message. So that tends to be the simple way to do it. But again, there are so many different expressions and approaches that you can take. But the basic principle of pray, care, share is the approach that Go Movement takes. So I think that I just made a connection in my head and heart. So okay. um, prayer, care, share, like, right? Love 2020. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I was tracking with you and now I'm now I'm putting uh, some of the pieces more fully together. Um, all right. So somebody uh, here, Phyllis, wants to know, is David Pierce your dad? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Phyllis. He's the founder Phyllis, of the organization. <laughs> Phyllis, the answer is yes. Let's see. Oh, Phyllis says, well, then I know your dad. Um, went to a home church, everybody's house with him 40 years ago. So tell. Yeah. Have wow. have Aaron tell his dad that Phyllis says hi. I'm I'm uh, sure your dad would remember so. that, right? How fun is <laughs> That's that? Funny. So this is a um this is a listening community here at Mornings with Carmen, and they know that they can text in at eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. So that's what's going on, Aaron. That's um right. That's love yeah. It. People people obviously love Steiger and um and yeah, now we know they they love your dad. I bet they love your mom yeah. too. I bet they just don't yeah. know it. So there you go. Yeah, there you um, go. Well, Cindy cool. says it's a beautiful ministry, the tangible love of Jesus. Um, an, another person here says, uh, yeah, I connected with Steiger through home church. So there you go. I, I, people are people are with you, man. They're tracking with you. So um, when you think about what God is doing around the world. Um, there's some exciting evangelistic energy that you've been witness to. Can you can you just share that? Because that's the contagion, I think. I think when people hear that people are coming to Jesus, then they're more interested in sharing Jesus with others. Yeah, that, 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 absolutely. And I think especially in our country where sometimes, you know, the we're seeing a sense, at least in the institutional church, maybe a decline in, in a, you know, attendance and, and there's there, the moral decay of our culture. It can feel a little like sometimes like everything's falling apart, but like there, there is hope. God is moving. And, and also there's hope for those in our own family that are that are far from god and i think often this is this is not just like a far away problem this is a personal thing and what we need is to see that there is hope that god is on the move and i've experienced it i mean 
endless amount of times. And I guess my main encouragement is like, we live in, in challenging times, but there's also opportunities. And that actually people are far more open and hungry for the truth than you realize. And, and that people are actually searching for, for something of purpose. Because the kind of the, the day we live in is this idea of basically kind of secular humanistic mindset of the religion of self, where I am the source of truth and meaning and, and all everything comes from me. And yet people are confused. People, we live in an epidemic of anxiety and loneliness. And so what I'm finding is that we go out in the world, whether it's in, you know, simple one-on-one conversations or, um, you know, more elaborate things that people are searching for something to hold on to. They're searching for hope. They often, they're not walking into church because they have a misconception of that, but they're hungry. And so the, the beauty of that is like, if we're willing to go, not wait for them to come to us, but go to them in their environment, become friends, share the gospel in a relevant way. People are far more open than you might realize. Oh, I just love it. I love it. Um, you've got some tangible tips maybe for people who yeah. are listening right now who are like, all right, I want to go, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, we have a number of resources. One of them that I'd probably recommend is uh, something called Spiritual Conversations for the Non-Religious. Um, it's a tool to help you engage in spiritual conversations with people who are far from God. Um, you can find that on our website or on the Go Movement website. But it's a basically a simple tool that, it, here, here's the thing, Be, the, we live, because we live in a different culture than the past, um, there, there are more barriers or, or um, people don't have the same assumptions. So if I go to a, an average 25-year-old secular person and I would say, hey, if you were to die today and stand before God in heaven and he's going to judge your life, would he let you in? I've just presupposed a whole bunch of things that the average young person doesn't hold to be true. And so I, I can't just you know go right to the four spiritual laws because the four spiritual laws assume some things about truth. The, the nature of God, the authority of the Bible. And so we've got to build the foundations from which to share the cross. And so spiritual conversations is about how do I challenge the assumptions or build the blocks around morality and purpose and love and can we fix ourselves? All these these issues that that build the blocks towards sharing the gospel. Um, and so there, this tool, Spiritual Conversations for the Non-Religious, is a tool that helps you engage in these conversations uh, with people in your life or people you don't know who are far from God. All right. If you want to, um, I can bounce you a link to that resource directly. If you just text me, um, at 877-933-2484, I will, um, I'll send you the direct link to the resource, uh, Spiritual Conversations for the Non-Religious, uh, tools that are posted at steiger.org if you want to go find them yourself. But if you want to text me, I will, um, I'll shoot you back the link directly. Again, uh, 877-933-2484 is the number to text me. Um, Aaron, wow, what a delight. Thank you so much. I hope you'll come back and share stories, stories from the field. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, glory stories. I feel like you, I feel, I, first of all, I love your energy. I love your passion. I love knowing you. Um, I love that your dad is such an integral part of, um, people's experience like who are listening right now and so i love the way the lord knits his family together um, and i certainly love the way he is uh, sending forth the gospel 
to reach more and more people. It's just fantastic. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been awesome. That's Aaron Pierce. You can find him at Steiger International. You can also find him at the Go Movement. If you text me, um, I'll bounce you the link to the Spiritual Conversations for the Non-Religious Resources posted at Steiger.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. What's true in the light is still true in the dark. What's true in the light is still true in the dark. Today is um, is going to be a very difficult day for a lot of people, and not just today, but tomorrow for brand new reasons. The world, um, you know, right? The the world languishes in darkness, but we're the people of light, and we are sent as. Um, the image bearers of the living God redeemed in Christ Jesus to bear light in dark places and dark spaces and the darkness in which people dwell in um, depression and despair. And so I want you to um, take a moment before you get out there and engage in the world. And I want you to just take a moment and look in a mirror, any kind. It could be the rearview mirror of your car. It could be, you know, turn your phone into a mirror. That works. Not a problem, right? Um, to turn your camera on on your laptop, because that creates a mirror as well, a mirror image of yourself. Um, or, you know, go into the bathroom and look in the mirror. And I just want you to consider for a moment. I mean, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Mere, M-E-R-E, Christianity, like the basics of Christianity. But I also want you to think today about mirror Christianity. Because you are representing Christ to the world. You are bearing Christ into the world. That is who you are as a disciple of Jesus. And it doesn't matter um, how new you are to this thing called Christianity or the faith. Because you are in a position to reach someone today for Jesus that I cannot reach. You will be in proximity. You will have divine appointments that God has set for which God has fully equipped you in advance. I won't be in those conversations. I'll be with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we'll be together in that moment. But you're going to be the person who is standing there to mirror, to reflect the love of God in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit into the life of another person. That's how the light shines. The light of Christ shining through those of us who believe into the darkness of the world today. Let's go. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.